Revelation chapter 3. We'll take one of the more controversial ones and one of the hardest ones to take. He, he hits, hits us right between the eyes with this one. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, because so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, poor, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Now I want you to notice this next verse is used over and over uh, as a verse... Uh, in evangelism and is often used to describe the picture of the closed door and the handle is on the inside and it's up to you to open the door. We've all seen that picture. I want you to realize that this verse in context doesn't have anything to do with that. This verse in context is about some Christians or some perhaps Christians, uh, we'll figure that out as we go, who have backslidden or at least have never had it to begin with. And he's just saying, wake up. So, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and be with him. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Let's pray. Father, may your Spirit teach us tonight. Give us wisdom and give us words. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll start out by what I chose for the title. What do you do with tea uh, when the ice all melts? Or, let me say it like this, what do you do with Coke when it loses its fizz? I remember in a church I once served, I would visit this family, and every time I visited them, they'd serve me Coke that didn't have a bit of fizz in it. <laughs> I wondered if they were trying to convince me not to keep coming. I don't know. But what do you do with both of those? You usually throw them out. <laughs> What does Jesus Christ say do with a lukewarm church? He tells us, and we better listen. I am afraid that there are many of us in America who are caught up in some of the things that he talks about here. Now, whatever the origin of the church, it had now fallen on hard times. It was not pleasing to the king and the head of the church. Most of these letters, nearly all of these letters, start with a word, of commendation and then comes back Jesus has a word of commendation and then he comes back with a word of condemnation that's not the case here at all there's no commendation and praise at all for this church and yet some of the greatest promises in all of the letters we could say in all the whole New Testament are found in this letter now he starts off every one of the letters to the churches with a word of self-characterization he starts he starts out describing himself with several phrases. And so <clears throat> he does that here. 
he uses three phrases in verse 14. And the first two uh, describe his person, and the last one talks about his power. He says he is, he says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, the pastor of the church in Laodicea, write, the words of the amen. Uh, Amen. What does that usually mean? It's usually found at the end of a statement. Surprisingly, it's found here at the beginning. That word means actually verily. In common language, what it means is a serious statement either has been made or a serious statement is about to follow. A statement of confirmation or exclamation and saying that what is going to follow now is absolutely correct. Jesus is starting out saying to this church, pay attention. This is serious business. I'm not kidding around. I'm about to tell you something very, very important. We use the word to say amen at the end of a prayer or sometimes during a sermon. There's a fellow in um, Nashville who is a former Marine. I never know when he's going to do it. Sometimes I don't understand why he does it, but boy, he can let one out and shake the whole church just about. Always makes my blood pressure go up. Scares me to death. (laughs) Does it? But sometimes it just needs to be said. We say it when we believe something strongly. We're saying, "I agree wholeheartedly." That's right. I believe it. You have said it correctly. It means three things here in reference to Christ. It means I am the essence of truth. I am one who will guarantee all my words and all the things that I'm promising. And I am the first court of appeals, and I am the last court of appeals. I am the one who is the Supreme Court. Huey P. Long used to say in Louisiana, he was the Constitution. And Jesus Christ is saying here, I am the Constitution. I am the word, the final word. And you can't go beyond me, so pay attention to what I'm saying. It was appropriate for him to say this and to start out on such a serious and sobering way, in such a serious and sobering way because he had hard sayings for them. He is saying, this is serious, and I know you better than you know yourself, so pay attention. Or as I sometimes used to say to my girls, what part, of, what part have I just said to you that you don't understand? What part of no do you not understand? Jesus is saying, I'm going to say something to you so serious, and you better listen. Because when I get through, I want you to have understood. He says he's the true and faithful, or the faithful and true witness. He's the proclamation of truth. He's not mute. He has spoken. He is a true witness to the truth. As Francis Schaeffer said, true witness to the true truth. He is explaining himself. This church had not been faithful. This church had not been true. And he is saying they are false witnesses. And they need to hear this from him because he's going to call them to repentance. They had talked a good game, but they had lived so poorly. And then he says, I am the beginning of God's creation. That does not mean he was the first created being. That's the error. That's the heresy of the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and nearly all of the other cults. They say that Jesus was the first created being not so that's not what he's saying here Uh, what the greek really means here is i am the source i am the origin they thought they were this laodicea was a banking center there was a lot of money shall we say old money 
in this town. And they were proud of that. And they thought they were so rich. And Jesus says, I own everything, the whole world. I made it. I started out long before you did. I created what we know as the world. I'm the source of all created things. That should have humbled them. And it says to us that we need to remember that all we have has been brought into being by Christ. You believe that? You believe all you have is a gift? It's hard sometimes for successful people to believe that. I've met very few, quote, self-made men, and there are really no self-made men, of course, but I've made very, met very few men, individuals, people over the years who have risen to the height of success financially who realize that God's the one that gave it all to them. Now, a few, but not many. It's hard. Well, he has a word of condemnation. He has a word of condemnation. He says, I know your works, verse 15. I know your deeds. That's very much in contrast to what they thought about themselves. Look at the second part of verse 17. Here's what they said. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. And you don't realize, not realizing that you're wretched, poor, blind, and naked. We may think we understand ourselves. We really don't. Only Christ is accurate. Now he condemns them in verse 15 for their indifference. You're neither cold nor hot. Let's take the word cold. The Greek for this word is freezing or intense. Christ says, I wish you were cold. I would that you were cold. Does that shock us? What he is saying is, now get this, here we are, America. I want no profession rather than a half-hearted one. Rebellion is better than a false profession. Don't play games with me. Don't pretend that you're one of mine and your heart really isn't it, really isn't in it. I wish that you were cold so that you could feel your coldness and that might drive you to my warmth, is what he's saying, because you are not cold and have just enough warmth protect, to protect you. You won't ever come to me. <clears throat> what he is saying is this, and this is where we often are. We have just enough Christianity to keep us from getting a good case. There are so many American Christians like that. And you know what else? Apparently, from what we're learning, if I think there are a lot of Muslims that way too. They're half-hearted, too. It's the serious Muslims that are trying to kill us, and there are not very many of them. They don't really, the, the other group doesn't really know what they believe. It's the same way with Christians. Our reaction to that, we don't want to be pagan. A little bit of Christianity helps us in every area. Don't be cold, just be cool. Be present. But don't participate. And then he says, I wish you were cold. I wish you were hot. Now the Greek word for hot here is zespos or zesty. 
See where the soap gets its name? He says, you're not to the point of, uh, hot to the point of boiling. You're not on fire for Christ. I wish you were. Listen to me now. He would not be eternally embarrassed if we got as emotional over someone's salvation as we do over sports. I confess to you that I've had to battle this all my life. I love sports. Anything that's got a ball in it, I like it. And I have had to gear back. And, and I've had a wife to help me. I've had to gear back and gear back because I tend to make that an idol. He wouldn't be offended if we were as excited over answers to prayer as we are over a new car. He wouldn't, be, he wouldn't be offended. He wouldn't be upset with us if we were as fired up about spiritual blessings as we get over a pay raise. He wouldn't be bothered if we were so more excited about the work of the kingdom as a job. Christ would understand and forgive us Presbyterians if we said praise the Lord a little more. Just a little enthusiasm. What is our reaction to this, to what I've just said? Here's our reaction most of the time. Wayne, to be that hot is to be a fanatic. You know, I remember Frank Barker telling me one time that a fan was somebody who loved sports, but, you know, when they got too excited about it, we called him a fanatic. Uh, he wouldn't be bothered if we got more excited. And, and he, our reaction is, why, I don't want to be a weirdo. I don't want to be a nutcase. We don't want to be hot. We just want to be warm. Not unattached, just unaffected. What does he say about folks like that? Well, he uses a, a word here that's an hapax legomena. Now, an hapax legomena is a word, a Greek word, that's found only once in the New Testament. And that's what he uses here. I want you to see that. I know your works are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are, here's the hapax legomena, lukewarm. Only time that word's used in the whole Bible, that Greek word. Lukewarm. And yet we know exactly what that means, don't we? We need to admit, some of us do, that he's talking about some of us. Our lives define it so well. And he doesn't want this. Never. He says if we are that way, if we are half-hearted... He will spit us out. Now, let me tell you why that was significant to the Laodiceans. This town was famous for its mineral water. People from all over the world wanted to drink, of that world, wanted to drink the mineral water from Laodicea. And if that water was given to them and it was of lukewarm temperature, if it was cold or if it was hot, they had no problem. But when that water was lukewarm, it nearly always would make them sick, and they would throw up. 
hate to use that language in the pulpit, but that's what's going on here. Christ is saying, you people especially know how that feels. When I tell you that if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out, you know what I'm talking about. I feel that way about you, Jesus says. You are revolting and nauseating. What is he saying? There is no place in Christianity for neutrality. A lukewarm Christian is a contradiction in terms. I'm going to say it to you like they say in the country where I grew up, and I bet they say it this way in the country here. There ain't no such animal as a lukewarm Christian. I have to ask you and I have to ask myself over and over, am I deluding myself? Are you deluding yourself? What dangerous ground to be on. It is to confess our own rejection from the kingdom of God when we are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. Verse 